Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. I am Lynn Pryor, one of the co-hosts of this podcast. And if you're new to this podcast, welcome. We are glad that you are here to join us as we do this each week as we kind of unpack one of our studies. And I did mention that I am one of the co-hosts. Who is my other co-host? I'm glad you asked. Hi, I'm Chris Johnson, and I'm the other co-host, and it's good to be with you today, Lynn. Yes, I, I serve as the team leader for Adult, uh, adult Bible Studies for Life, and Chris oversees our resources that are for senior adults, and Chris does an excellent job in that area, and uh, he's an excellent podcaster, too. So uh, joining us today is uh, our manager at, at LifeWay, and that is Ken Brady. Ken, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Hey, Lynn. Hey, Chris. I appreciate you guys having me back. Yes. Uh, and Ken, uh, his other role really is significant. He is Mr. Sunday School for LifeWay Christian Resources. Uh, I know of no individual who has a love and a passion and a knowledge for all things Sunday School quite like Ken does. And so at the end of this, in this podcast, I want to talk to you about a book that uh, Ken has written related to Sunday School. But first, let's go ahead and focus on the study for this week. So we are beginning a new unit of study uh, that beginning this Sunday, the first Sunday of December. Uh, we are Bible Studies for Life, so life is where we jump into the whole focus on uh, what does the Bible mean. It's, it's, we want to make that life connection. And, and so this study is on emotions, when emotions rise. One of the realities in our lives is that th there are a lot of different emotions that we experience because of the life circumstances that we're in. Some of them are positive, some of them not so positive. Um, we all know people who are quick to freely express their emotions, positive and negative. We also know that there are a lot of people who work at suppressing or, or hiding their emotions or feelings. And somewhere in the middle of all of that is the rest of us. We deal with emotions that, that come into our lives, happiness, sadness. Today, our focus is going to be on grief. We're going to talk about how to find a healthy way um, to handle our grief, to go to God with, with those things that cause uh, us to experience trouble, distress, and grief. And uh, I hope that this will be beneficial uh, to you who are listening to this. And as your groups kind of unpack this, I hope it's a healthy conversation to have about emotions, especially in regard to grief. Sure. And as we talk about grief today, as, as it will be with all our sessions as we look at uh, when emotions rise, we're going to be in uh, the Psalms. Uh, the beauty, I read this in a commentary just last week. You were talking about whatever emotion you tend to experience, you can go to the Psalms and you will find like David has experienced that also. Uh, so you, I appreciate Lynn mentioning that the fact that they're all from the book of Psalms. Uh, one of the other things I need to share with you is that Lynn is the author of these, this study on emotions. And Lynn always does a great job uh, especially in the Psalms of helping to make that connection uh, with uh, the heart and the feelings of, uh, of the psalmist and how they're so real to life for us. So, Lynn, you did a yeah. great job, and I'm well, glad thank that you. Study. And, you know, Ken, Chris, I don't know if you guys experience this, but when we talk about emotions, and I'm talking about just in general, you, sometimes you do run into some Christians who we want to be super spiritual, and there's a sense of, well, 
if you're feeling sad, you know, you just need to, you shouldn't be sad if you're, if you're walking with Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever encountered that, but it's just that, that I want to be super spiritual. But the reality is emotions, God gave us those emotions. Uh, and it's the, the key why we want to look at Psalms is when we have those emotions, how do we handle them biblically? And so as we talk about grief uh, in this particular session, as we look at Psalm 116, let's keep that in mind. Grief is natural. We grieve. Uh, uh, we, we experience death. We experience loss. And it's natural to grieve. But so what we want to do is we want to look at this psalm uh, and see when we grieve, how can we do it in a way that's appropriate and, 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 and actually helps us move forward? Uh, so as I said, we're in Psalm 116, and uh, we're going to be in the first four verses as we look at this idea that we should just call to God when we're in sorrow. Uh, let, me, let me just uh, refer to verses three and four, and then, uh, guys, I'm going to turn it back to you. The ropes of death were wrapped around me, and the torments of Sheol overcame me. I encountered trouble and sorrow. But then I called on the name of the Lord, Lord, save me. I found it interesting that right away he, he calls out to God, and it's clear that that's what he's doing. But then he, he references, I am, I am in distress. I am in, uh, I'm in trouble. I'm going through difficulty. Um, it's a good way for us to understand that the psalmist um, experienced a wide range of emotions and uh, almost instinctively understood that he needed to take those kind of feelings and express them to God. You know, Chris, the thing, when I was reading these, uh, these introductory verses, uh, there were two little phrases that caught me, uh, especially in verse number one. And the psalmist uh, here wrote that I love the Lord. And he says, because he has heard, he has <laughs> heard my appeal for mercy. And then just in right at the beginning of verse two, he says, he has turned. So there are two he has phrases here. He has heard, and he has turned his ear to me. And I think that is extremely comforting, and it's something we need to remind ourselves when we're feeling blue, when we're feeling down, we're feeling sad, we're grieving a certain event that's happened in our lives. Sometimes we, we're tempted to think that the Lord may not care, he may not know, uh, that we're just irrelevant, uh, the world is too big, uh, too many people people in it. But here the psalmist reminds us that God, with all of those things that he is managing, you know, and all the prayers, all the things he's watching over, uh, he hears and he, uh, he turns his ear to just one individual, you know, when that person cries out. I think that's really uh, a very important truth for us to remember. And I remember years ago, guys, uh, Bette Midler in, uh, introduced a song into, you know, pop culture, and it was called From a Distance. I don't know if you guys remember Sure that, but the first time the first time I heard it on the radio, guys, I was really excited. I thought, man, I'm listening to a secular station. Here's a song that's talking about God. This is really cool. And then I started listening to the words, and I'm like, oh, this is not cool, because yeah. the ly the lyrics say that God is watching us from a distance, and it's a very deistic song. You know, uh, it's just like God wound up that war wound up our world like a top, and it's just now spinning, and He just kind of stands back in the corner, leans up against the wall, and just kind of watches things unfold. And that, that's a, that is a very unscriptural view of how God interacts with his creation. And so I love that we're reminded here in these first two verses that God is so attentive, so involved with his people, 
who are grieving and they're hurting, and he does not turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to us, but he is available any time of day that we cry out to him. That's I appreciate great. that so much. I, uh, it's so important for us to, to uh, remind the folks that we are, are talking with in our groups that, um, that God is with us. Uh, I, 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 all of the Psalms that start with, I love the Lord because he heard my cry, or I love the Lord because of these things, um, remind us of the importance of the centrality of God being a part of our lives. Uh, I, I know that David talks about death early on and throughout this Psalm, but he also talks about about troubles and distresses and um, grief is not just about uh, the loss of a loved one. Uh, it can be, um, to be due to um, loss of a job, loss of health. Uh, there can be all kinds of reasons in our lives that we grieve uh, for these things in our lives. I remember I was at probably early twenties. I can't remember. My dad taught a, a large Sunday school class. Our, our church um, did not have a pastor's class, but my dad essentially taught a pastor's class. It met in the sanctuary, and it was, it was the kind of that gathering where people who didn't want to be in small groups could come for Bible study. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad, who taught for years, um, but talking about the, the realization that his eyesight <laughs> was uh, failing and, and that and, and had a, an emotional response to this grief of a loss that he recognized in his life in his mid-50s. Now, he wasn't going blind, but he knew that his, his eyesight was not what it used to be, and he had to make adjustments in his life because of it. And it was a real expression of grief. And I, I think we need a part of what can be healthy for our classes is to talk about all of these distresses and troubles that we experience that are related to a sense of loss or grief in our lives. Absolutely. I also think this is a good opportunity to do a little cross-referencing too. I mean, uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible comes out of Psalm 46, where we find out that God is a uh, refuge. He's our strength. And a Bible says that he is uh, a very present help in trouble. And that's just, man, what a beautiful what a beautiful psalm that is to tell me that uh, in the moment of my distress or my grief, that God is very present. He's ever present. Yeah. And uh, boy, I don't, I don't face anything in life alone if I walk with the Lord. Good and that's, that's what I hear uh, in the, in this psalm. Uh, as he talked about here that I, I uh, how did he say it? God has turned, God has heard. Mm-hmm. It's like he, in a sense, he's referring back to some past events. Mm-hmm. Like, this is David's testimony. Uh, he's saying, you know, hey, let me, since you, let me tell you what God's done for me when I was in this situation. Uh, so you actually move to verse 5, uh, and as we, in, in your group, we'll be looking at verses 5 through 9 to see this idea that we should rest in God who is compassionate toward us. And that's a key word of compassion. And let me just refer to verse 7, uh, where, where David wrote, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, rescued me from death and my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. There is a sense he's just going to step back and rest because he knows God is compassionate. Yes, and and such an important thing for us to have uh, in our lives, Lynn, a a practice of looking backwards. I I think that uh, 
that when you come through an event in life and you have that opportunity to stop and reflect, you begin to see things pretty clearly or much more clearly than maybe when you were in the middle of a circumstance and your, your vision and the way you look at a circumstance almost, you know, becomes 2020, you know, and you see things clearly. And I think we're seeing that here that David is remembering a tremendous uh, trouble, some incredible pressure or circumstance where he was, you know, kind of on the ropes, you know, to borrow a boxing term and, and the Lord rescued, the Lord saved, the Lord was kind to him and now he can look back, and now it gives him opportunity for a testimony to you know going forward. And uh, sometimes you know we, we may not know what to say to a friend or a family member that is not a believer. Uh, we may not have a polished gospel presentation, but I think what David does here is something that everyone can do, and that is you recognize God's activity in your life, and then you share with others about that. That's really what David's doing. He's sharing something from his past to encourage the people of his day uh, as they walk with God currently. And so I think that a testimony uh, of, of God's work in our lives ought to be on our lips at all times. So I, I may not, you know, as a church member, I may not feel like I've got a, a great grasp on, you know, a, a gospel presentation, but I can sure tell people how God has been so involved in my life because you can't tear down my testimony. You know, you may disagree with, you may disagree with the Bible. You may not believe the Bible, but it's really difficult to uh, try to tear down my story about what God has done. It's almost indefensible. And so uh, I love that, uh, that fact that we could, uh, you know, reflect, remember, and, and have those stories to tell about God's great work in our lives. My hope is that um, just as David shared his testimony, that, that, that we will look for opportunities to invite people in our groups to talk about their, their stories of how God has, has been good to them, how he has heard, it, heard their cries, um, and uh, that they will, this will be a free-flowing conversation where people can talk about their own experiences so we can learn from each other. Also, Go ahead, Ken. Well, I was just going to say that absolutely you know, about the you know giving folks that chance to talk. I think that's one of those that's one of those things that is sometimes difficult for those of us that lead groups because we study all week long. We're we're you know well versed. Uh, we're ready to explain the scriptures. So the tendency could be that we do a lot of talking as a as a teacher as a group leader. But I think people actually learn best when they're the ones that are talking. And so uh, I've had to learn over the years to talk less, let my group members talk more. And this lesson just absolutely begs, you know, for the group members to have that opportunity to, to tell each other of what God has done for them. Does that make sense? It it's, does. It's going to be and a I great lesson. That's the value of a Bible study, a, a small group, a smaller group where as we talk about, as we dig into the scriptures and we hear David's testimony for them to share. Let me show you my testimony, how we, we learn from the scripture, but in the process, we learn from each other. That's equally yeah. as powerful how God uses that. So uh, one of the things that happens in this passage is that um, it talks about these qualities, these traits, these characteristics of God, that he is gracious, that he is righteous, that he is compassionate and shows mercy. So I want to read a, a line that our, illustrious author gave us in this uh, 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 personal study guide. When we, when we trust God to rescue us through his gracious care and compassion, we can also rest. And that gets back to the point that you made at the beginning, Lynn. Mm. Oh, good. All right. 
Guys, one more thing that struck me here, too, is you know how sometimes we, we, we picture God of the Old Testament as the thunderbolt-throwing, you know, brimstone God. Sure. Uh, this is not what you see here, is it? I mean, yeah. you see these these wonderful characteristics of, you know, he's gracious, righteous, compassionate. Verse 6, he guards, he saves. Verse 7, he's good, good to me. Verse 8, he rescues. Verse 8, again, he keeps me from stumbling. You know, you don't have to wait to the New Testament to find, you know, Jesus, the compassionate one. You find God here in the Old Testament equally compassionate, kind, and, and, uh, and, you know, someone who cares deeply about his people and their circumstances. So one of the questions that I used in the senior adult um, Bible studies for life for this lesson is how, um, how is God good to you even when what's happening um, around you is not so good mm. as a way to kind of create that conversation? That's good. As you move into the last two verses we're going to look at here, or last three verses, there's a sense of even in our darkest hours when grief feels the strongest, we can trust in God because he cares. Verse 15 has always been a powerful verse for me. The death of his faithful ones is valuable in the Lord's sight. Now, that, I can tell you, that may sound like a contradictory verse when you consider other things where God does not take pleasure in anyone's death, you know, Ezekiel. But what you see here is God sees death differently than we do. I mean, we tend to focus on life here on this earth, you know, right now. But God has that eternal perspective. And he knows that death is not the end. In fact, you know, we, we know this. For us as believers, we are never more alive than when we enter Christ's presence in heaven. So when I read that verse, the death of his faithful ones is valuable in the Lord's sight. It's valuable because he loves and cares for us, and he takes us into his presence. Where I dare say all of us, when we get to heaven, we're going, wow, I wish I could have gotten here sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love what what you've just said. I think it's important for us to understand that uh, death is a transition into eternity. And uh, that changes the the dynamic. Chris, my father has been gone 22 years now, uh, but he was dying of cancer. And this was actually a verse he and I talked a lot about. He knew he was dying. And he was at peace with that. And he and I talked freely about, you know, the death of his faithful ones is valuable in God's sight. And he was perfectly good with that. And I got to tell you, that helped me, you know, as as my family, as we grieve, just to know that. Gosh, he's in a far better place. Appreciate you sharing that so much. I know both of you have experienced grief uh, in the the last year or two with uh, loss of uh, mother, uh, father-in-law and others. So uh, how how have you two dealt with with grief um, of of a loved one in this season of your life? Well, we lost my mom about a year ago. And so uh, by the time this broadcast, it'll be a year and a couple of months. Uh, but my mother was a strong believer, and I was not there when she died. My sister was with her in the room. I was still here and couldn't couldn't quite get there. There just wasn't a plane, you know, fast enough. But I took great comfort knowing that Mom uh, loved the Lord her entire life, lived a very simple life, served her church, uh, played piano, served on committees, uh, was there when the doors were open. Uh, but none of that saved her. You know, we know that uh, her relationship with the Lord is, is, is what took her to heaven. But uh, for me, the grief, um, 
you know, it was made, it was made better because I realized that I'll follow her, you know, in a, you know, whatever my you know, remaining time is, whether it's a year or 20 years or 30 years, I'm going to catch up to her at some point. And, you know, Chris, that's great comfort knowing that uh, God and his graciousness uh, has imputed Christ's righteousness to us and I'll get to see her again and we'll never be separate. So this, these intervening years, you know, honestly, when we look back from eternity, it'll, it'll feel like a, a blink of an eye. And, uh, and so 20 or so years that I may have to wait to get to heaven to catch up to her, uh, it won't feel like much at all in the you know, context of eternity. And just knowing that I'll get to see her again and we'll never be separated again, uh, boy, that really helps me in the grieving process. And to know, Ken, uh, that when you get to be with your mother, Christ's presence, your mother is not going to be like she was those last few years of her life. Right. Uh, and, and your my mother was the same situation. Just you knowing they're not going to be like that. Uh, now, Ken, my experiences could almost echo yours, but I realize there's a lot of people that may not have those experiences with, with parents like a mother like you and I have had. Um, and we all do approach grief differently. Uh, so I, I, I know there are some people that grief is a very difficult road to go down for them. It can feel very debilitating. And all I can say is, is what Psalmist, what David said here in Psalm 116, when we're feeling that we just call on the Lord and we can call on him because he's gracious, he's righteous, he's compassionate. And let's just, it, it, it may be easy for me to say, but just to trust me in this, that we just rest in God because of who he is. Absolutely. I think also we need to we need to remind our group members, uh, both you know Chris and Lynn, as we're approaching this lesson, that we will most likely have people in our groups that are experiencing grief of some kind. Chris, you did a good job earlier to you know outline some of those. So sometimes it's loss of parent, like Lynn and I have had, or it could be loss of job or loss of health or loss of an ability, you know, like vision, things like like that. And so there's there's different things that cause grief. But what a great reminder that we can bring to our group members on this opening session that uh, they don't have to grieve by themselves. You know, the Lord is there. He hears. David says he has heard. He's acted compassionately. But we need to remind our group members, guys, that uh, that they are sitting in a circle. They're sitting in a, in a room uh, with fellow believers whose job it is to do what the Scripture says, and that is to carry one another's burdens. And so if someone in the group is grieving, they don't have to go through that alone, that there are people in the group that could reach out and would reach out uh, to minister and to serve and to comfort them as they work through their grief process. And Ken, I just realized, too, that to realize we're entering Christmas season. That's right. And there are some people, even though their parents are uh, that loved one may have passed even several years ago, every time that Christmas season rolls aground, for some of them, that grief kind of rises up again. That's right. And so, as you said, we should be sensitive to those who are sitting in our groups with us, be sensitive to them so that we can just kind of walk with them too and be a reflection, and since we're in Christ's image, to be a reflection of his graciousness and compassion to them. That's right. You know, that just triggered one more thing. If we've got just another 30 seconds. Yes. Uh, you know, we're not because, going anywhere. So because this is Christmas season and, you know, first Sunday in December, uh, guys, you know, we've, we've been in COVID now, you know, since uh, March or so, you know, a lot of, a <laughs> lot of sequestering, a uh, lot of folks that lost jobs or were furloughed and they may have not returned yet. This Christmas may look a lot different. 
And there may be people in our churches, maybe even our very own groups, that are grieving that they are not going to be able to provide what they would like uh, for their spouse or for their parents or for their younger children that have grown accustomed to, you know, Christmas traditions of opening gifts and things may be a ministry opportunity for our groups to be very sensitive and compassionate toward people in our groups that may be grieving just simply because their financial circumstances have changed because of COVID. And now there's an opportunity for our groups to, to be the arms and the legs, the feet of Jesus to these people and maybe provide a little financial relief to help them this Christmas. Good reminder. I really appreciate the fact that we've taken the time to open this series of lessons on emotions, and I think this is a good start for us. Um, in spite of the fact that grief is typically a downer for us, uh, we've seen and been reminded of God's goodness, that he hears our prayers, that we love him because uh, he is there for us. He walks with us through these seasons, and um, I hope that this uh, session in our podcast has been uplifting to those of you who are listening, that it's been helpful to you and that you will take some of these insights and possibly share them with people in your group as you gather this week. Uh, we are want to do a couple of things to close this out. Some of you are leaders and we, we have some special things to say to you and some helps for you that Lynn's going to tell us about. And then uh, Ken has a teaching tip for us to close us out today. So, yes, I want to uh, mention that Ken is Mr. Sunday School for Lifeway Christian Resources. And Ken has a book that I think is well worth your time to read. It's called Breathing Life into Sunday School. And uh, Ken, would you just take a moment and just uh, kind of give us a brief overview of how this book helps those of us who are leaders of groups? You bet. It's, it's based on uh, about 25 years in local church ministry, leading education ministries as a minister of education, uh, discipleship, pastor, whatever you want to you know, call that uh, role these days. And uh, and I wrote the book. I uh, didn't really intend to do this. It just worked out this way. Uh, but there are 12 essentials that I focus on, 12 essentials for breathing life, reinvigorating life into a, a Sunday school that may have stalled out, is not, you know, not as healthy as it once was. And as just as it happens, uh, six of the 12 are things that group leaders actually have control over. These are things that they can do uh, from the classroom and leading their groups to breathe life into their, their group and into the Sunday school. The other six items uh, are things that are, are a little more focused on what a pastor or staff member could do to work in conjunction. So it, you read all 12 together and, uh, and you can find how a church staff and Sunday school leaders can come together to, to, you know, everybody chip in, everybody put an oar in the water to help make Sunday school better. And so it's a short read. I think it's very practical, lots of lists and suggestions. And it's not just one of those books you would read and go, now I wonder what to do with that. Uh, I actually spell out pretty clearly, you know, <laughs> hey, based on this chapter, do this, you know. And so I think it gives it gives churches uh, instant instant traction and they don't have to just sit around for a month or two after they've read the book and try to figure out what to do. It's pretty, it's pretty prescriptive. And so for that reason, I think it's a, it's a nice read. It is a good practical book. So let me encourage you to get a copy to, to look at. You can go to lifeway.com just in the search uh, bar right there. Just put in breathing life into Sunday school. Uh, another way you can get to it. Uh, if you're familiar with Bible studies for life's extra webpage, which is Bible studies for life.com slash adult extra. If you go to that page or you go to this, this particular session, session one of 
When Emotions Rise. I have placed a link there, a direct link to Ken's book. Uh, so, and you can get a print copy of the book. Uh, there's also an ebook version as well uh, for those of us who have gotten addicted to ebooks. Uh, so, it is well worth your time to do that. So, we're going to be tracking to see how many people uh, go <laughs> pick up that link and, uh, because of our podcast today. Yeah. Hey, Christmas is coming, right? Guess a stocking, <laughs> it's a stocking stuffer. That's right. It is a very practical book. We're, we're, it is practical. So, Ken, speaking of being practical, share a teaching tip with us. I'd be glad to. You know, in the past when I've done this, I've, I've really focused on, you know, on-campus groups, you know, people that are meeting physically in a room or maybe even a living room. Uh, but today, I think I've chosen, I'm going to go a different route. Uh, because of COVID-19, uh, we still have many churches, many groups sure. that are not back together again uh, physically. And we've got a lot of teachers across this country that are still uh, teaching via Zoom or some other uh, online uh, medium. And so uh, just a couple of tips for those folks that are online and teaching in a virtual setting. Uh, so here's my mini tip number one uh, is uh, you, you're going to want to reduce your teaching time to about 20 minutes. In, in a class set, classroom setting, you might teach as long as you know, 35 or 40 or 45 minutes. But we're finding that if you're teaching virtually, it's better. Uh, less is actually more. I know it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make a lot of sense to those of us that study and teach and have a lot of things to say. But in an online environment, 20 minutes is going to be just about the right amount of time to keep people's attention, make your points, and then still give them time to visit and share prayer requests and do those things uh, that you know, every group uh, needs to do. Uh, the other thing that I would say uh, that you might want to do uh, in these online groups, and I'm a fan of Zoom. It's, one, it's the tool that I've been using. But Zoom has a breakout room feature where if you've got, let's say, 12 people on the screen, uh, you can use the breakout feature to instantly have the uh, computer divide them into several groups, maybe you know, four groups of three or three groups of four. And before you divide them, you could give them a discussion question or at the end of your group time, you could divide them and let them have a, a very small group experience for prayer. They could support one another in prayer. And then when they're done, they just log out. So I think the breakout room feature wow. in Zoom is a really great tool for creating some community, even though it's online community. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate you sharing those tips. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, honing in on the reality that our ability in a Zoom meeting to take in content, uh, it is less than what we typically have. And I, I know right at that 15, 20 minutes, I'm about done in most mm -hmm. of our meetings. So I appreciate <laughs> the fact that you You've talked about this and I realize we've gone just a tad over. So I hope that these moments have been healthy and good for you who are listening to our podcast. Thank you for being with us today and hope that this has helped, been helpful to you and hope that you will plan on uh, listening to us again in the near future.